To the Unlucky Frog Gaming Podcast. You are joined by your two usual hosts here. We've got Tom Mannering. Hello. And myself, Josh Hartley. How, how are we doing this uh, this fine four-day weekend, Tom? I'm loving it, mate. I'm loving it. We are we're recording on Sunday. It's been sunny for four days now. I know. I've, I've been in the garden, doing gardening work. I've been out for walks. I've, you know, enjoyed the sun as much as someone with my complexion is willing to enjoy, enjoy the sun. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and yeah, it's been nice just having a few days off work and I don't really want to go back tomorrow. But other than that, uh, I'm doing really, really well. Uh, how are you, Josh? I'm much, I'm, I'm much the same, yeah. to be honest. Uh, and it's just speaking about like enjoying the sun, uh, bearing in mind our complexions as well. My... Uh, <laughs> But because I've been wearing shorts for a lot of the weekend, I was hanging out around at my parents, and they've got a nice garden there. So uh, my shins are now pink. So nice. <laughs> so um, it, the sun's like a weird one for me because I I have to, like the more sun I get, the better, right? Yeah. This is the case for many people. Uh, but because I have a skin condition for people who, who haven't seen me in, in person, uh, whilst I am beautiful, uh, I am ravaged by psoriasis. Yes. Um, I'm supposed to get out in, in the sun a bit. And, and the doctor's like, oh, you know, you need to get out. You need to get as much sunlight as you can, but not too much. And I'm like, yeah, not, okay, the, so, not so the bad amount. Yeah, and I'm like, so like, can you be a bit more specific on like, like how much is too much and like you know well just get you know the right amount and i'm like I, that... don't, I don't know what that means <laughs> so i kind of like i i try to like go out in in the sun and i'll try and get out for a walk but then as soon as i kind of start to feel like you know when, when you're out in the sun you can kind of feel your skin getting hot if yeah. that makes sense i'm kind of like right that's that's kind that's, of enough that's too late though isn't it well, <laughs> like when like you reach that point no i think like as long as you because obviously we don't get like direct you know we don't get like you know, Spain, Tenerife style sun where it's like yeah. beating down on you. You know, we get kind of that sort of um, overcast sun and, you know, you've mm. still got cloud cover and things like that. So, um, yeah, I, I have to be kind of careful how much I'm out in it and it is a bit of a tightrope to, to kind of walk. Uh, it doesn't help that I'm a nerd. So, like, you know, the, the rest of the time I'm inside so I don't see yeah. the sun. So when I do go out, it's like... <laughs> I'm sure I've played, like, a game of... Warhammer in someone's garden. Yeah, once. I've done that. Yeah, like just when it's been a nice day. Yeah, you know, get get a bit of that vitamin D. I, <laughs> I've I've done that. I've I've played Warhammer in someone's garden. I've done role plays in in someone's garden, uh, which is a, a really challenging thing because this was this was years ago as well. So this was back in the days like when it was all pen and paper, mm. and you <laughs> you would basically have to have like paperweights all over yeah. the table to like hold down character sheets of things because you know the slightest gust of wind uh will will send those flying and you know the last thing you want to happen to your character sheet is it goes into your neighbor's garden i mean no risk of that with like 40k rule books or codices so. well that's true <laughs> yeah. but they, they tend to be like you say what you will about games workshop but the codices are pretty heavy duty stuff you know you could yes. kill a man with them <laughs> so and maybe you have uh so <laughs> they are they're quite heavy duty at least but I, you know i get what you mean like you're gonna have like the pages flicking over and stuff like that 
But yeah, I, I remember that. I think the funniest one I ever saw was years and years and years ago when I was at secondary school was we were allowed to go into certain rooms in the school to play card mm. games because we played like Pokemon and Magic the Gathering and things sure, like that. Yeah. And for whatever reason, one day they just decided to clamp down on this and they were like, right, no more card games in this room. You know, I can't remember if it was like, No fun allowed. Yeah, I, can't, I can't remember if it was like a specific teacher just decided they were going to have an embargo on it or whatever. Um, but we we got sent out into like the playground, you know, where the, the mm. other kids were, which is bad enough. Uh, but we got sent out into the playground and a couple of guys decided to try and play magic on like the tarmac in in a oh, yard and no. uh, that went about as well as as you would anticipate playing with small pieces of card in england uh yeah would go uh so yeah that that was quite funny um so don't don't try and play trading card games outside folks that's no that's dumb that's silly that's silly did the teacher ever explain like why like it seemed pretty innocuous and harmless really yeah we got we used to get like so we had uh, a, a Warhammer 40,000 club at my school, uh, kind of yeah. very very unofficially. Like, it wasn't, like, kind of a sanctioned club the way, like, netball club was and stuff like that. It was, like, basically the, the gym teacher just kind of got permission to use the, the gym after school on, like, a mm. Thursday night or whatever to run, like, a Warhammer club. And he basically just, like, get out tables and stuff. And, like, he brought his own terrain and that, like, Fair, fair juice to the guy, you know, he pretty much did it all himself. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like a lot of the, the geekier folk, myself included, would go to that. And then the kind of the people from it during the afternoons would like, they'd either like work on army lists or they'd, you know, they'd build uh, decks for magic or whatever. And mm. we used we usually got away with it. But now and then you just get like a teacher that would just kind of take umbrage with it. It's a bit like the kind of satanic panic kind of thing where, you know, they just sort of, they'd see like a, a random article or something, you know, in the newspaper that, you know, D&D causes like murders or, you know, Warhammer is responsible for gun crime or whatever, you know, mm. or the random panic they want to associate to something. Um, I remember like there was this whole thing about Pokemon uh, cards being equivalent to gambling as well that popped up right. when I was, they got banned at my school for, for a period because they were seen as gambling because kids were like, trading them back and forth and stuff it was it was mental That's but we did have a whole scandal at my school about pokemon cards getting stolen as well yeah. uh where basically like, there was a, a spat of kids pokemon cards getting stolen out of their bags and that because they were worth you know this was like they were worth something fairly early days but they were still worth yeah. a little bit of money um so yeah uh it it, <laughs> it it was a weird school to be fair they they, they picked mm. some really weird hill, hills to die on um, and they never really stuck to it either. It was only ever kind of very sporadic, you know, and then it kind of fade into obscurity and you'd go back to just doing the same thing all over again. So, yeah, I, I think that the, the worst example of that sort of thing was in my school. Oh, my God, this was this is dreadful. Uh, the assistant head decided to mandate that there was going to be a, the, the girls were going to be banned from wearing thongs. And it's like... <laughs> I'm sure someone pointed out really quickly to him, how are you enforcing that? How are you... What? How? How are you even aware of that in the first place? Like, oh, what, yeah. what scenario 
came up that it, it it came to your awareness that there was like more than a handful of girls wearing thongs. Like that's fucked up, man. I mean, yeah, there's no ban on boys wearing thongs. That's sexism. <laughs> yeah. So, like, yeah, um, that yeah, dreadful, <laughs> very ill thought. That's um, mental, man. We we yeah. had like a lot of stuff like that as well. So we had a very uh, strongly regimented uniform code. And basically, if I remember rightly, there was no like concession for boys in in summer wearing anything but trousers. Yeah. Like we had to wear trousers, uh, but girls were allowed as standard. They could wear like skirts or they could wear trousers if if they wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, and we like really were kind of pushing for you know we'd really like to wear shorts. You know when it gets really really hot, you know like some sort of formal short if if such a thing even exists. Um, and they were like, no, no, no. So then some guy took it to like the next extreme and was like, well, can I wear a skirt then? Yeah. Because <laughs> that's at least a bit cooler. Uh, and that was a whole thing uh, that I remember kind of going down. And I think that the outcome of it was we eventually got it where we were allowed to wear our gym shorts. Like during, we were basically allowed to wear our gym kit like in on really, really hot days. Okay. Um, if it got like really bad, you could bring your gym kit with you and change into it. Uh, yeah. Because I have a vague memory of sitting in a classroom wearing my gym kit when it was really hot. So mm-hmm. school's weird, man. I I always think like I you know I'm quite pro uniforms to a point. Like I I I like a bit of uniformity and to kind of bring it back to like hobby stuff. So mm-hmm. when I worked at Games Workshop, I always quite liked their uniform because it was just a t-shirt. It was just kind of a loose fitting yeah. t-shirt. With a, a small logo on it, it wasn't anything overbearing. You know, it was just a blue polo shirt or a black polo shirt with a logo on it. And then you had a jumper as well that you could, like, wear on colder days. Um, and that was it. You know, you could wear your own jeans, your own shoes. You know, you, you had no real kind of... They didn't dictate what you could really mm-hmm. wear. I wore... So I used to wear the shirt, but it was at a period of my life where for some reason I wore cardigans all the time. You you might even remember this, Josh, because I've met you. I used to wear a black cardigan Oh yes, all the time. Oh, I remember. Um, Sorry, when you said cardigans, I immediately went to Werther's uh, original advert there. <laughs> but, like, yeah. No, I remember that. Yeah, yes. so I used to wear this black cardigan over my, my shirt, and, like, I'd have it so that it was open so you could still see the logo and that. And I remember it was such a bone of contention because, like, some managers didn't mind. But then mm. I went down to, like, Warhammer World, and they'd, I'd be wearing it, and they'd be like, take that off, take that off. And I'm like, I'm not taking it off. Like, it's 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 too warm to wear a jumper, but mm. cold enough that I kind of want another layer on. Yeah. Um, so then they stopped me doing that, so I started wearing a long-sleeve T-shirt underneath my T-shirt, and then I was like, ah, got you. <laughs> got you on a technicality. Tom games the system again. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was... Uh, I think that's a really good way to do kind of your uniform and I think some places just go really too far to the extreme with it as well it's like no, oh, it, it, it's perfectly simple it's some it's some individuals who are in charge just like to bully people over something and if it, if, if if uniform is the thing they can pick they'll pick it yeah so, yeah definitely yeah um so yeah that was <laughs> that was a strange strange time anyway Anyway, there's, there's a point of conversation uh, that, that I wanted to bring up uh, yes. that pertains to what I've been doing over the last few days. Yes. Uh, and this is something we've spoke about before, but I thought I'd give the, the, the audience an update uh, and we can uh, kind of have a chat about it as well. Mm. So 
it, as I, I mentioned, it's Sunday today. Last night was Saturday, which is my usual, uh, what I call my COVID group, because it's a group that started during COVID. Uh, yeah. And it was my... Five, they're called the Five Treasure Company. It's a first edition mm-hmm. Pathfinder game that I've been running for probably about 18 months now, I think, give or take. Mm-hmm. And it runs weekly. Uh, and they were up to about level 13. And I'm using the past tense here because uh, last mm-hmm. night was, uh, rather <laughs> unfortunately, a TPK, which is a total party oh, kill. Yeah. Which is the first one I've had for a while, uh, to be fair. Uh, and it's... It's an well, interesting. No, because you, you you had a TPK with Call of Cthulhu recently, did you not? Ah, uh, Call of Cthulhu TPKs don't count. That's <laughs> that is like that's, that's written that's into the, the, the book. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, I'll, I'll I'll rephrase it. It's my first D twenty system TPK for a okay. while. Okay. So basically, um, what happened? To, long story short, the the party were. They'd come off the back of kind of uh, exploring a mine and they'd, they'd come up to the surface and there was this storm going on, but it was a wild magic storm uh, and they were approaching this outpost and they tried to do a frontal assault on this outpost, hit the mm-hmm. gates while they were being shot at from the towers around the gates by these Fun. batmen. Uh, they, Wait, what? They, what? Hold on, hold on. <laughs> These these creatures they're called sabasans and they're basically like humanoids with bats. Uh, well, I'm disappointed now. It's not Batman. <laughs> there wasn't like a group of Batmans. An army of Batmen. <laughs> so, funnily enough, there is there's a creature in Batman called Man Bat, which is basically yeah, what these things are, man right? Yeah. They're, they're basically like a, a race of man bats, and they they breach the gates while being attacked by these creatures, only to breach the gates and there's some ogrekin, some half ogres, and more of these man bats inside. Um, so they end up getting basically kind of flanked by the tower, the, the, the man bats on the towers, the ogre kin inside and the man bats inside. And they're in the middle of a mana storm, uh, not a mana storm, a magic mm-hmm. storm, uh, which is causing wild magic effects. Now, what's interesting about this is it was basically three previous things that I've had result in the death of a player or parties all mm-hmm. happening at once. Wild magic which killed yep. Barry in one of the crossovers. Yeah. You may remember. Uh, yes. Flipping everything upside down. <laughs> yeah. Encountering two encounters at once, which happened right. in pr- several games before, but the one that I, I remember the most is the pri- pirate game, a short-lived pirate game that you played yes. in, where you, encountered, you, you triggered two encounters at once, and going in unprepared. Basically, the party were already very down on resources because they'd kind of already done this dungeon and then they'd kind of gone in. They hadn't really prepped for for a frontal assault and they didn't really have a lot of resources available anyway. And there was another factor as well, which is just bad luck. The guys really rolled quite poorly. Um, And this is a group that, like, there have been deaths in this group but they have been fairly limited. So they're level 13. I think there's been three or four deaths in the party. And it's the same yeah. characters because they've been brought back. Um, and yeah, it was it was really bad luck for them that this happened. They, they just kind of ended up in a situation where they were just constantly on the back foot. The the wild magic was causing things to like... Uh, at one point, everyone in Metal Armor got pulled down to the ground because it got magnetized. 
Then people got flung up into the air. Then black tentacles came out of the earth and started grappling everyone. <laughs> so they were they were dealing with so much stuff that they were yeah. just constantly trying to regroup. Couldn't really regroup because they were being flanked, so they couldn't like fall back and regroup or anything like that. And the the, the things they were fighting, the man bats and the ogre kin, not that powerful compared to them. These are like CR six, CR seven creatures mm-hmm. that are dealing with like a. a, a level 13 party that should have been able to probably manage them under better circumstances but it was just a series of unfortunate things Mm -hmm. combined with some bad looks some some less than stellar decisions and it just all kind of uh, unfortunately led to a tpk uh, which spelled the end of the the five treasure company as a game anyway yeah, so a uh, couple of questions then is, uh, I, I don't know, have, have you and the, the players had a conversation as to whether they want to continue and how they want to continue? So we, we ran quite late. Uh, the combat was basically the whole session because it was a massive yeah. brawl. Uh, so we did run quite late last night, but we had a little chat when it finished up. But I said I kind of wanted people to sleep on it because so, yeah. you don't want to make decisions in the heat of the no, moment of course. kind of thing. Basically, the, the guys... We'd been talking about kind of rounding down the campaign anyway because it was getting kind of that that level where it starts to get a bit more unwieldy. Uh, yes. And the guys had kind of said, you know, they were they were okay with that. Um, and we kind of had a chat about it. And basically what, what the guys have got, they've got resources available to them because of the level they're at and, and the reputation they have where basically Andoran will probably come to rescue them, uh, which is where they're okay. from, and will yeah. recover their bodies and potentially could bring them back to life. And I said, you know, look, this is a possibility. This is something that you have the resources to do because of some of the uh, the, the mm-hmm. optional rules we're using. Do you want to do that? And a couple of them said yes and no, basically. They were kind of like, okay. we'd like the characters to survive, but we're happy to kind of stop playing them. Okay. Um, so potentially they're going to, we're kind of having a chat about it at the moment. A couple of them are going to kind of talk to me about how they see that going. Uh, and then I'm going to do maybe a little epilogue next week where we'll just kind of round out what happens in the aftermath of of everything that's kind of transpired mm-hmm. and, and what happens with their characters living or dead from that point on. And then we're kind of just going to have a discussion about what we do next, whether we play a different system or someone else GMs and things like that. Sure. So I've kind of given them a few days to to go away and think about it because, you know, it's... It's always sad when characters die, and, and we've, we've talked about this before uh, at length, um, and it's, it's even worse when a, you get a TPK and, and a story ends, you know? And it's yeah. not the story anybody wants, but it's the story you've got, so you, you need to make the most of it uh, and kind of look on the positive sides of it, you know? And, and that's kind of something I did try and espouse last night, but sometimes that can be hard to take in, in the heat of the moment. You know, I've had characters yeah. die, and I have not taken it well, I've had characters die and I've taken it in my stride. You know, it, it largely depends on any number of factors. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've kind of given them a bit of time just to go and go through the process, as it were, um, and kind of get their heads straight. And then we can have a chat about uh, what we do next. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'll say this. Um, a TPK at level 13 probably stings a bit less than a TPK at a really low level. Um at least your characters have had stories. <laughs> I think in some ways, yes. In some ways, I think it can sting more, though, because oh, you've yeah, had the time to get invested. 
Yeah, yeah. I get that, yeah. So you've had sort of... It's a weird one because every player is different and, and a lot of GMs are different on this as well. You know, in, in some cases, players do kind of lose interest in their characters. You know, when they've played them for such a long time, they kind of feel they've done everything they want to do with them. Mm. Maybe you've played through that character's sub-story and you kind of, you're just there to kind of fill in the numbers, you know, or just to, to see someone else's story or the, the overarching story through to its completion. And maybe yeah. your character's not as well invested in that as they could be. Um, I think sometimes if I've just made a character and they cark it, I'll be a bit frustrated, but I'm like, well, I haven't really invested yeah. much. You know, I've, I've maybe invested some time into building them. I've maybe invested a bit of money into getting a miniature, which is my bugbear. Is I tend to, I, I like to always get minis, and the character dies on session one. I'm like, well, that's ten quid wasted. Uh, but <laughs> flips table. Yeah. <laughs> um, but otherwise, you know, I, it's not great either way. But I think if if you've had that time to get invested in the character and you are really invested in the character, you're really excited about playing them, you're really excited about seeing where the story ends up and you don't imagine that in a shallow grave, then it can be quite bitter. It's a bit of pill to swallow. Mm. Um, I think there's kind of a point. It's a bit like playing Pathfinder in D&D. There's a sweet spot where yeah. it's at its best. And I think there is a, a point where you kind of get so invested in your character that you become and, and you've not seen enough of the story and there's that kind of midpoint that it can mm. really really hurt you know to, yeah. to kind of lose that character and it's understandable and then i think you that can tail off you know maybe once you've seen their story through and you know they they die but then i have two very very long-lived characters in in different games i don't play i tend to revisit them on occasion and mm. I must, I'm not sure how I would react if they died because they've been around for so long. It would be like losing a friend kind of thing. And I know yeah. that sounds a bit melodramatic, but it's... No, I totally get that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's someone that, you know, I, I know very well because I've made them up. Uh, <laughs> and, mm. you know, they've, they've had such a long story, but it, it is a possibility. You know, you always have to kind of prepare yourself for that reality uh in your fictional universe um so yeah it's it is a weird one i i don't think character death is ever easy but i think you need to look on the positives you know it opens mm. up a new beginning you know i think no person if you had envision the adventuring lifestyle as a real thing if you pretend for a second that that's a reality you would be very naive to enter that lifestyle and not think there is a reasonably high chance that you're going to die face down yeah. in a muddy field somewhere yeah. or a dirty dungeon, you know, because that's, that is just the harsh reality. The, the converse side of it is you end up very rich and famous and successful, but that's the, mm -hmm. that's the risk you run. I mean, it does kind of exist in the real world. They're, they're called mercenaries. <laughs> like you can be a, you can be a gunfire, but it is a very, yeah, like you say, in real life, I imagine it is either a very short-lived career or a very successful one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I suppose like yeah, criminals as well have a quite a similar kind of um, yeah. sort of approach to things. So yeah, it is. It's it. It was tough and it, it was bitter, and you know, I, I, some people took it better than others, and that's completely understandable uh, given the given the circumstances of it. 
but I'm quite excited to see. I, I'm looking forward to kind of writing an epilogue. Uh, yeah. And I'm hoping all the guys kind of give me something to kind of work on on that. Because it's funnily enough, when I'd been prepping the session yesterday before we even had the, the game, mm-hmm. I was actually thinking about what the epilogue of the campaign was going to be because we've been kind of talking about rounding it off anyway. All right. So I was yeah. kind of like, right, when this adventure finishes, I want to run this adventure, and that can kind of tail into quite a nice epilogue. Um, so I'm looking forward to the guys kind of giving me something to work with, and then I'll I'll sort of weave a, a little bit of a narrative to kind of tie it off. And, and that will probably be quite bittersweet, I imagine, mm-hmm. um, because I don't think they're all going to be coming back. I don't think they've all got the resources to do it. Uh, but those that do, you know, it'd be interesting to see what they envision their character's life being after that, you know, what, what is probably their biggest defeat uh, so far. So, yeah, that's that was my Saturday night. <laughs> yeah, nice, nice. Good good job murdering the <laughs> the party. <laughs> well, you know, I, I do try. I don't. I, I actually hate killing killing. Yeah, party members and and I the will... dice the dice roll and the, the, that's something that happens. You know, there's there's just this choice you kind of have to make. You know, you can pull punches and and you know you will try and and maybe you know split the damage out a little bit and pull a couple of punches. Maybe not use things as effectively as they can be if you see things kind of going sideways. Mm. But there becomes a point where it will become painfully obvious to your players you're doing that and then you're not doing them yeah. justice. I've seen it firsthand, you know, I've, I've been on the receiving end of that and it, it feels lousy as a player because it it's like when you play someone a, a game, like a real game, you know, you play someone mm. on a sport game or you play someone on a computer game and you know they're taking it easy on you yeah. and you, you can feel it and it's like there's, there's one thing for someone to kind of maybe not go at 100% but there's another thing for someone to kids glove you Mm. Um and and that's not funny either because you you're kind of being talked down to and being patronised at that point, so mm. and you don't want your players to pick up on that because that's not no that's not fun. No. Yeah, fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. I have um it's a RPG uh topic again. Okay, uh, but I have some advice that I I want to seek off you. Okay, go so, for it. Uh, so just based on uh, the, my friends that I'm running D&D for here, uh, I can't remember if we covered this off in, in last week's episode. I don't think we did, uh, but basically I'm running through the Stranger Things starter kit. Uh, I thought last session was going to be the last session of that. Yeah. Turns out combat takes a lot longer, <laughs> particularly for new players. So we've, we've reached the final dungeon oh. of it, and that's where we've called it there, and we're going to reconvene on the 17th. Okay. But what is becoming clear is that everyone seems to be enjoying it and that they are interested in doing a proper campaign and creating their own characters for it. Yeah. Now, we've got two of the players know exactly what they want to build. Corinne wants to be a dwarf bard, and okay. uh, Will wants to be a tiefling rogue. Okay classic um i don't know what doug wants to build just yet i think doug's the one who's played D previously and i think he might be sitting back and waiting to see what everyone else builds mm-hmm. and build something to, to to fill a gap within the party basically okay but i was having a chat with susan um <laughs> susan what susan has pet rats okay. she absolutely loves the creatures so we were having a conversation about what race her character could be, and I've floated the idea. It's not an official race in Dungeons & Dragons, but why don't we come up with some rules 
to so that you could play a, a rattling or skaven or something along those lines mm-hmm. and she's up for it she she would uh, she she was really keen on the idea of having creating a player character uh that is I'll go, we'll go with rattling so that games workshop don't sue us so, so ratfolk <laughs> is is probably rat the term folk. you want to use uh it's a bit less derogatory uh so you know, um, uh, yeah okay ratfolk so yeah. you're you're in quite a lucky position uh mm-hmm. because a couple of years ago you would have kind of had to figure that out yourself you've got now firstly there are quite a few races that will you could kind of substitute for something like that. My initial thought was mechanically make them a halfling and switch some things out. Well, so half. Let, let, I, I, let, let me finish. Oh, sorry, let sorry. Me finish. <laughs> However, there are now actually rules for making custom races, so you don't need to, oh, awesome. to figure right. that out. So I think it's in. Uh, I think it's in. So I've got like cold thing if memory serves i'm going off the top of my head yeah i've got so i've got the core rule books i've got the player uh the player's handbook the dungeon master's guide and the monster manual okay so and just a couple of things to note we still don't know what campaign we're going to run i'm going to run one of the pre-written ones but sure i assume that it's going to be set in uh the forgotten realms though because i think that's where it's most likely to be set yeah, so I mean, you can uh, you can still make up races, like just because mm. you're using. So the thing is, and this is something I struggled with for quite a while. Just because you're using an established setting doesn't mean you can't add to it. You know, it's not set in stone. If you want to make oh. rat folk, you make rat folk. I would. Yeah, absolutely. There, um, there are rat folk that actually exist for uh, Pathfinder, so mm-hmm. you could use them as kind of an idea of what a rat folk might have. And then transfuse that over to fifth edition using. I would probably pick up if you if you really want to do it and you want to do it right. I'd pick up Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. It's a good book to have anyway because it's got a lot of optional rules in it and some extra races sure. and things. Um, and you can get it like on D and D Beyond and Roll Twenty for for a fairly reasonable price, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, not that I'm advertising for D and D; they're not sponsoring this uh, this podcast. However, wizards, if you're listening. <laughs> Hit us up. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, get get that. Um, and then you've got race building rules in there. It's, I think it's called ancestry building because they're trying to kind of move away from, from using the term race just because of connotations. Oh, uh, sure, yeah. So okay, that makes sense. You, you kind of want to build an ancestry. So you, you probably want to like give them, sm- give them small, you know, probably give them like dexterity as a, an increase. Yeah. Um, and when, so this is why I thought halfling would be a good baseline yep. for it because that's how I imagine this rat folk. Rat folk are probably going to stand between three and four foot tall. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to be naturally quite dexterous. Mm-hmm. I think the thing that I was going to switch out was halflings also get a bonus to uh, charm, mm-hmm. which could also work because I imagine I imagine rat folk would be good at deception, mm-hmm. like as in they're they're quite cunning. Um, so I would, I would, you, you can again. This is kind of talked through uh, in in Tasha's, if I remember rightly. And I'll double check mm-hmm. after the episode and let you know. Uh, but you can basically um, pick out like traits and things. So you yeah. could be like, you might want to give them like a bonus to stealth and a bonus to like deception. 
uh, and give yeah. them like scent, you know, because they can. They've got little. Rattling. That was the other thing that I was gonna like. Some sort of rule where they get a bonus to be, survival checks if they're tracking. It would be like advantage know? on survival on per- perception if they're using the scent of smell or survival mm. if you know they're, they're tracking something that has a scent potentially yeah. uh, and things like that. And to be honest, like for a home game where you've not got so. When you're building a custom race, so I had to do this for Pathfinder when we add we added in Goliaths because Goliaths don't officially exist in Pathfinder. They exist in three point five, but yeah, and, and they kind of move over, but they're they're they don't quite perfectly mesh. So I had to do a little bit of tweaking just to kind of make them work the way I wanted them to work. Mm. And if you're building with the intent of just letting someone do something they want to do because they think it's cool, especially someone who doesn't have a lot of experience with the system, you're probably fairly safe. The, the only yeah. time it becomes a concern to me is if it's someone like trying to min-max or power game <laughs> and they're trying to optimise a build via, you know, specific... No, no names will be dropped, yeah, yes. Via custom <laughs> I know, shit. I know, I know some players. That, that's when I'm like, hang on a minute. Like, I see yeah. what you're doing and I'm not for it. Um, so, yeah, I think if, if they want to do it, yeah, definitely. Let them do it. Build a rat folk for them. If they like rabbits, there's actually a rabbit race out there as well. Um, yeah, I remember you saying because that's in one of the recent supplements, isn't it? It's in so two of them. Was... Uh, it's in the module, uh, the Wild Beyond the Witchlight, and it's also in the newly released, again not sponsored by Wizards, uh, Monsters However, of the Multiverse as well, right? Uh, which cool, is what cool. I was looking at there to see if there was any rat races currently in existence. Yeah. So yeah, you've got um, you've got options, mate. And it's uh, it would be fun though, like and. It, I, in my head, yeah, I can I can introduce rat folk to the Forgotten Realms, but in my head, they're going to be quite rare. Yeah, like they literally don't come to the surface that often. Yeah. So, but the nice thing is, depending on where, what campaign we go for, they're probably going to start in one of the big settlements like Baldur's Gate, and the people of Baldur's Gate have seen everything. Yeah. Right. So. When the, when Susan's character is interacting with NPCs, they're probably not going to be too fussed by that they're talking to this big talking rat. No, um, it's if they go out to the sticks, I imagine that then it would get a bit interesting with how NPCs interact with yeah with her. yeah definitely. That's that's how I always try and kind of play it for the most part. You know, in in your bigger, more uh, metropolis or uh, cosmopolitan areas, people are more mm. adjusted to seeing strange and unusual things be it because of magic or just because of uh commerce and and trade um but then when you get out to like local rural areas you know you you get the kind of the hills have eyes and the we don't get many of your sort around here kind of thing going on yeah i'm looking forward to um i'm looking forward to putting on some west country accents yeah i can imagine the town i I could definitely imagine that i I, don't get we don't get much strangers round here. <laughs> I, uh, I I played, uh, uh, well, I ran a game, and they went to like this kind of uh, xenophobic town, you know, very sort of backwards place. Yeah. And and in my head, I was just kind of imagining the the, the League of Gentlemen, you know, kind of. Yes. Uh, is it Royston Baisley? <laughs> Royston Baisley. Yeah. yeah. Just kind of that sort of setting where it was just a bit weird and a bit kind of not really PC or and and again, you kind of have to gauge that with your players. You don't want to offend anyone. Uh, you know, you've got to make sure it's kind of done in the right tone and the, with the right intent. But yeah, like I, I love when players play like so. Like in my D and D game, they're playing monstrous races. So they're yeah. they're orcs and they're goblins and they're hobgoblins and they're bugbears and things like that. 
but they're in a place where everyone is one of those things. So yeah. it doesn't really matter. Uh, but they are eventually going to end up in places where everyone isn't one of those things, and that's going to be an mm-hmm. interesting sort of thing to, to play off of and, and give some interesting character moments. But yeah, yeah. man, that, that, that sounds like really good fun. Um, and if, if that's something they're excited about, you're doing the right thing by, by enabling that and yes-anding it rather than being like, no, there's no rat fucking Forgotten Realms. Yeah, yeah. Also means that if I do miniatures for them, I can just uh, dig out some cool Skaven minis. <laughs> One of the Skaven assassins or something. Well, it de- depends on what class uh, season ends up going because the pre-gen class that she's running at the moment is um, is a paladin, right. which I kind of like the idea of like a a, a knightly rat. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that could, that's very uh, um, Westfall Abbey kind of a uh, red, yeah, red wall Abbey, not red West, wall, not yeah, that's Warcraft. Uh, yeah, red wall Abbey. Yeah, um, and then because I was thinking, oh well, that's great because I could just use a storm vermin. Yeah, uh, if she if she goes for one of those, but um, I don't know. I don't, like. I'll, we'll have a proper chat when we finish the Stranger Things module, yeah. and uh, um, and see how they how they're all feeling about it. I mean, to just to go back on how the session went. Um, they they enjoyed it. They did find co- combat's definitely like the the thing that they find the trickiest rules wise to get their mm-hmm. head around. I was doing a lot of, I was just doing a lot of reminding basically. Like, okay, so you could do this, you could do this, you could do this. Yeah. Um. It, it comes with practice though. And I was and we were chatting about it. And one of the things I did, I think anyway, is and I get. So I get why they made all the pre-gen characters level three, because it means they're a bit more interesting. It means they can face up against some more difficult enemies mm. and they've got more things that they can do with those characters. But for people who have never played D&D, it's probably a bit overwhelming and they'll, I dare say they'll be a lot more comfortable starting at level one mm-hmm. and just having a limited number of things they can do and building up on top of that. Yeah, yeah so... That's a good way to do it, Matt. Yeah, so look, looking forward to our next session uh, in a couple of weeks' time, and uh, obviously I'll keep you all posted. Yeah, man, I'm looking forward to hearing about it, and uh, right. good luck with your character, Jen. Yes, cheers. Right, well, on that note, I think that is all that we have time for this week. So, as always, thank you very much for listening, and until next time, take care. Bye! Bye! Thank you.